This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, Season 2. It's a radio show and podcast about the goings-on in our region under the new normal. I'm producer Gary Farrow. Introduced predators are an ever-present threat to Aotearoa's native species, but they don't have to be. Normal citizens are raging a battle on such critters as rats, stoats and possums, and we are slowly but surely gaining ground. I spoke with an awesome expert. Hi, I'm Karen Barlow. Um, I work for Go Eco and I do work for Predator Free Cambridge. My interest has always laid in conservation and um, it seemed a logical step when you've done species work to then get into predator control since predator control is the main thing you can do to help um, protect your native birds. What's the situation at Cambridge um, with predators? I guess we tend to just think of it as the tree town, we don't think of there as a clash between predators and birds, including native birds. So I think there is, the thing is with predators, they are found throughout New Zealand and in vast numbers. So there's, when I, I talk about predators, I'm not just talking about pests, um, I'm talking about predator pests specifically, so I'm talking about things like rats, possums, stoats, they're the top three. Then we've got other things like weasels, ferrets, cats, and even hedgehogs. So they're the predator pests that we talk about, and they are just found throughout New Zealand in vast numbers, like I said, Um, and they are the main reason for the decline of native birds. So they're found everywhere, which is why our native birds are not found everywhere. Cambridge is lucky in that we have um, Mongatotari right on our back doorstep, so as a result, we have probably a lot more native wildlife flying around than most cities and towns. So we're really lucky there. Um, also, the fact that Cambridge is a town is really helpful because you already have the local community. And it's a small town feel. People um, are very community-minded. Um, lots of people know lots of people in Cambridge. It's a really nice vibe. Um, and I think as a result, you can get a lot more work done together by working as a community. In cities, it's really hard um, because it's such a vast amount of people in a, in a huge space. But in community towns like Cambridge, it's really good to be able to get the community together and get stuff done because people want to make it happen. Um, and like I said, with the birds flying over the fence, um, you can see um, the birds and you think, what can I do to keep them in my backyard so they don't fly back to Maungatotri? How can I keep them here and keep them safe? 
So this is a way that uh, average citizens can have a great input into um, keeping uh, native birds safe that are around their communities. How does um, predator-free Cambridge actually work then? What um, what activities can people get involved in to help the uh, the fight against the predators? Yep, literally everybody can get involved. One of the things that we're promoting in township itself is being a backyard trapper. So ideally if every fifth backyard had a rat trap in it, we could essentially get rid of all, in theory, get rid of all the rats in Cambridge. And that's, that's throughout New Zealand. Um, so we've got the backyard trapping program and you can pop into eyesight at the Cambridge Town Hall and pick yourself up a trap and get trapping in your own backyard. For people that want to do a little bit more, you can be involved in a community group, and we've got nine community groups around Cambridge that um, we work on council land um, at Wiper Council, and that's a, cra- a trapping group, um, and you're trapping on land and you're doing running a trap line. Um, so quite a few people. I've got 50 volunteers that help with that project. And then we're just starting another project called Bush to Burbs, which is the landowners, the rural landowners that live between Mongatotri and Cambridge itself, and there's about 200 properties there, and we're really focused on trying to get those landowners um, trapping on their land, because they're the ones that, um, once the birds jump over the fence, that's the first properties they come across before they even get to Cambridge. So there's kind of three ways, three, three different different ways you can help contribute around Cambridge. So basically the birds are reliant on uh, the average person in the community giving uh, all of this help voluntarily. Um, It isn't possible just through uh, government programs. Yeah, that's right. I mean, unfortunately councils and DOC and the like, government departments, they don't have enough funds. Uh, They don't have enough people to do the work. Um, And to be honest, I think as New Zealanders, we're kind of a can-do kind of attitude type of people. And I think also we have the responsibility, particularly on your own property, that you should be actually managing your own property and managing the pests on that property anyway. Um, So certainly this whole project, Predator Free 2050, it's going to mean everybody's helping out because it's not going to be, it's not going to happen if it's just left to the government departments because the resources are just not the case. What is involved if somebody wants to maintain a trap on their piece of land? Because a lot of people wouldn't have had experience working with a device which I'm guessing could be uh, lethal to the predators um, if they come into contact with it. So there's a lot um, of responsibility and know-how involved there, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So the backyard trapping program, it's, it's just a simple snap trap. Um, you get, you, you go and pick up your trap. There's um, some handwritten information, uh, sorry, written information, um, and it's and it's pretty easy trap to use. These are the types of, these are really good traps and humane kill traps, but the type that, similar type ones you can get in a shop. So they're just very easy to use, and anyone can use them, including kids. Um, some of the traps that we use, certainly trapping on council land and people that would live in the rural area, need to use, be able to use different types of traps that are um, targeted for different species. And yes, they're probably a little bit more involved and you need to have a little bit of confidence before you use them. Um, certainly people that are involved in the Bush to Burbs project and people that help on the trap line get training to, use, to learn how to use the traps, where to put the traps, 
what to bait the traps with. So it's not just like, here's a trap, go for it. You do get a lot of support from Predator Free Cambridge um, when you're setting up a trap line on your own property or certainly helping with the community groups. So are they um, enclosed enclosed traps where um, people can't come into contact with the um, with the method? <laughs> yep, absolutely. So all the traps, um, the ground traps, are contained in boxes so that it's safe. You know, you can pop it out in your backyard. You might need to explain to your child, don't put your hand in the box, um, but you certainly can't squeeze your hand into the hole and get caught. Um, and certainly for the, the more lethal traps, that's absolutely the case. And they can be locked and screwed down anyway, so nobody can get into them. Um, there's no worries about um, your pets getting into them, whether they're cats or dogs. The, the hole is too small, so they can't climb into the box. So you're only targeting certain species, and they're the ones that fit through the, the hole in the box. Um, then we've got things like possum traps, and we use tree-mounted ones. So we're actually just targeting possums rather than cats because I know a lot of people are worried about catching pet cats in possum traps and that's certainly an issue with ground possum traps. So that's why we use the tree-mounted ones. And if you're baiting with things like fruit um, or spicy cinnamon-laced apples, really cats are not interested in that type of bait. I think people, uh, you know, people sort of have an idea of there being possums about our communities and you see them dead on the road often enough because they're not streetwise. <laughs> but the, the likes of, um, of rats and stoats, um, they're quite elusive, aren't they? E even though there's a yep. significant population of them in our communities. Absolutely. Rats, people have no idea how many rats are literally living in their backyards. Um, rats are, breed so prolifically. I mean, on average, they have about eight a litter, and they can have up to five litters a year. Um, so just one pair can produce a phenomenal amount of rats themselves. And, of course, those babies then go on to have their eight babies as well. Um, the thing is with rats, people don't think they have them because they don't see them because they're nocturnal, and they're really secretive. They're not running about to say hello, here I am. Um, so because they're nocturnal and because they're not seen, people have no idea how common they really are. Um, and we have two species of rats too um, which are an issue. Um, and some, similarly with stoats, stoats probably aren't seen for much around town but certainly if you live on farms or in forest areas, stoats are going to be more common. Um, but you will see stoats out during the day um, but again, they're, they're pretty elusive. Um, you know, they're not they're not making themselves seen, which is a problem because people, if they're not seen, people don't realise that they're around. What baits can people use as an actual incentive to uh, entice the rats, stoats, or possums uh, into their traps? Um, I, I suppose it wouldn't be just anything that you could use. Um, rats will literally eat anything, but things that last for a, a sort of a fairly decent amount of time in your trap would be things like peanut butter and mayonnaise. And most people just have those, you know, in their fridge and in their cupboard at home. So they're not necessarily, um, you know, you can get commercially prepared baits as well, but those sorts of things are fine. I mean, meat and stuff always work. It just doesn't last very long, whereas sort of oily peanut butter um, and mayonnaise just lasts that little bit longer um, and keeps... Keeps, you know, so it might last sort of a week or two maybe in your trap if the insects and mites aren't eating it. 
Um, so it does depend on the type of bait to the type of predator you're catching. Whereas possums, it's sort of like fruity lures, um, dried apricots laced with um, um, vanilla essence or aniseed, apple dusted with icing sugar. So possums are attracted to scent, so they like sort of nice, sweet-smelling stuff. Um, peanut butter can work as well. It's about mixing up the different types of baits. Um, and stoats really like meat or eggs, just raw eggs. So you just mix things up all the time, um, mm. like I said, depending on what you're targeting. And also weather conditions and stuff, like meat is brilliant, but it just, you know, in summertime, you know, it, it's only going to last a day before it's, you know, pr- pretty manky. And, and that can turn off animals as well. I suppose uh, mayonnaise and peanut butter would uh, maintain that sweetness as well, which would entice them to the location. Yeah, and I think, you know, these are obviously, um, a rat typically isn't going to come across peanut butter in the wild. So if you're trying something a little bit novel for them and tasty, um, you know, it can entice them in. Um, But rats are notoriously um, cautious creatures because they are prey as well. Um, so they're not sort of, they they spend a lot of time sort of sussing out a trap before they'll even go in it. So quite often you put a little bit of peanut butter at the at the doorway, to, it's just a little bit of free bait we call it, so that they taste it and think, oh that tastes quite good and nothing bad happened, I can smell some more inside and wander in the trap. Like I said, rats are predators but they're also prey, so if you think about rats will eat other rats. So if you're a big rat, you'll eat a small rat. Charming. Um, other, yeah, that's really charming. Um, other other things that eat rats are things like cats. Um, certainly um, stoats and ferrets will also eat rats. So pretty much anything bigger will eat you. It's a, it's a, it's a tough world out there in the wild. Um, I mean, typically rats don't have a long lifespan, um, and, and it is pretty harsh conditions for them as well. Um, but, yeah, lots of things eat them as well. Uh, that framed the stoat before, didn't it, when you mentioned that they particularly like eggs. So that would be a uh, problem for um, native birds. They wouldn't just be um, uh, preying on them, but they would be actually getting their young before they are even born. Absolutely. So the, the top three predators, like we said, rats, possums and stoats, will all eat our native birds um, and eggs and eggs and chicks. Um, ones that climb um, so we've got ship rats that are very good at climbing stoats are very good climbers and obviously possums are as well so they're all into trees getting things um, um, which is, is the problem and not only it's the native birds it's the um, the insects, the lizards all of that as well, um, native bats so they're at risk um, our native animals from a whole raft of different predators that are very good um, at climbing and swimming, and they have a really good sense of smell. So it means our native animals um, are really under the pump. It's a real surprise that our native animals are still here at all, given um, how how much they have against them. Yeah, um, because you know our native animals didn't evolve with things that hunted on the ground and by scent. Um, our native animals grew up with with aerial predators like um, flighted species. That so you know a lot of our birds sort of lost the either lost the um, how to fly, um, they're camouflaged, all that sort of thing. But really, if you're a a, a, pr- a predator on the ground hunting, um, smell and, and and 
I mean, kiwi freeze and they don't move. Quite a lot of our birds do that, but that's, that's no help whatsoever when you've got a, a, a um, stoat that's just going to sniff you out and eat you. So freezing doesn't work. But if you're an aerial predator, if you were to freeze and you're camouflaged, you're not going to see those birds. So unfortunately, our, our birds are completely overwhelmed and underprepared for the, um, the, the scourge of um, the introduced mammalian predators, yeah. Mm, and I suppose they'd have to evolve pretty fast to <laughs> to actually get used, uh, you know, adapt yep. to um, to these threats. Uh, Absolutely, and, and and evolution takes hundreds, if not thousands, of years. So unfortunately, um, the introduced predators ar- arrived too quickly, and, and our birds will never evolve um, to cope with that now. Right, yeah, and they can't pass down the knowledge effectively from one generation of birds to the other. They're just born with the um, with the instinct. Yes, yeah, like I said, there's just no time for evolution. There's no time for change. The birds that do survive, I mean, some have fared better than others because if you're a, a ground nester, um, obviously that's, that's perhaps one of the worst things to be in New Zealand is a ground nester, which unfortunately quite a lot of our birds are. Um, or even birds, we've got birds that nest in cavities, so in holes in trees, so like our um, saddleback or tiaki, our hihi or stitch bird, um, they nest in cavities, and, and so do our big carca parrots. But unfortunately, um, predators climb into holes, um, and like with carca, um, a stoat will climb in quite high up a tree, um, and there's only one way in and one way out um, of a cavity nest typically, um, and unfortunately the eggs, chicks, and often the adult female is also killed by stoats on the nest for kaka, um, which is a real concern. Um, and it's bad enough if you're losing eggs and chicks, but once you start losing the adults as well, that can be a real problem. Mm, that's really sobering. The um, adult kaka are not small birds at all, and, no. they're, and they're well armed as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you've ever come across, I mean, yeah, if you've ever come across a carker defending its nest, absolutely, um, they are fierce. But when you're a stoat and you're quick and you're good at what you do, you know, you're a ninja killer. Um, you just, you know, the, the females are just taken so quickly um, and killed just at the base of the the neck, um, and that's a real problem. For a long time people discounted the population of carcass because the males and females looked the same and they thought, oh yeah, there's not too many, you know, they're, they're doing okay. But when they looked at the, the dynamics of the sex of the population, they realised that the majority of the carcass flying around out there are males because most of the females were killed on the nest. Um, so if you're just counting numbers, that doesn't necessarily help. When you, you know, but if you look a little bit deeper, you realise what the issues are. Mm, that gets really tragic for an animal population when you start getting that um, uh, imbalance of sexes. Yeah, absolutely. And females really are critical for, for any population. Do you have any idea or any figures on how many predators people manage to catch? I think people would be really interested to know that. Do you, is it sort of like putting out a, uh, a fishing line and, and waiting um, in the off chance that you might get a predator? Or uh, do they get quite good uh, catch ratios? It, it does depend a little on where you live. So if you live in an area that's, that's um, next to a waterway or a river, 
um, or a gully or native vegetation or not even native, just just the bushy park area, you're going to be catching far more than somebody living in town. So it is quite, you know, quite different depending on where you live. Um, rural people are going to be catching more than city people, um, just because of that. That's where the the not only the the natives' refuge is, but it's also where the pests hang out, um, and you know, bush remnants and um, along waterways and things like that. Um, so it is highly variable. But I was talking to a landowner, a rural landowner today, and in the past year, he's caught 84 possums and 49 rats um, and I would think that's fairly high um, he's got maybe a dozen traps um, but that's that's pretty high um, and like I said he's caught so many because he's next to a river um, and he is on farmland but somebody like me who's in town and I've managed to clear out most of the rat population when I first moved in here it took me a while to get them all um, and now I hardly catch one I probably only get maybe a rat maybe once every six months now um, so it, is, it really does depend on where you're living. That's interesting, though, that we can have that effect on predator populations, that you have basically uh, nullified the rat population around where you live. Yeah. I mean, I live in town, um, so you know, I'm not going to be getting as many predator pests anyway. Um, but certainly I had a lot when I first got here, and clearly there was um, a nest nesting sites um, and, and you know I'd, I'd get one and then the next night I'd get another one so probably in the first six months I caught caught most of them and now it's just kind of the old straggler that comes in but rats have quite a small home range area as well so you can clear them out of an area um, especially with ongoing trapping yep and in Cambridge I guess we we said before it's called the you know it's known as the tree town. Uh, yep. There would be a lot of um, places where predators could hang out and uh, create colonies in Cambridge, which are um, very near to people's houses. Like for example, yeah. I guess down yep. at uh, Lake Tekuutu and in the um, the trees around that. Uh, that area, um, there yep. would be um, a lot of um, predators in there. Absolutely, and that's one of our main trapping sites. So in the first year of trapping, um, they caught 101 possums just in that lake, just in the lake area. And people were quite surprised at that because it's in town, and people don't think, gosh, should we get possums in town? Um, but there were a lot of possums there. Possums are quite mobile, and they will move. And plus, there's, you know, there's gullies. There's the Karapiro Gully, which is quite close by. So there is routes for them to move through, even if they don't live um, in town, though quite a few of them were. Um, they can move from gullies into the area, especially if, you know, once the popu population of possum starts getting loose, you can get more moving in. So it's an ongoing battle. But now last year, I can't remember how many possums we caught in that area, but it was way less than that because essentially we're clearing them out of that area. But that... that that project's been running for about three, four years now. So if you keep at it, you can re reduce the numbers. That's great to know that in a relatively short time, though, yeah. uh, in the greater yeah. scheme of things, such a um, such an impact has been had by largely volunteers. Yeah, yeah that's a totally volunteer um, project. Um, so we've got two possum guys that pretty much check every day possums. Um, like I said, it's, they're not catching much now. 
Um, but certainly that first year they were they were pretty busy taking out all the possums here. So no, it's great to see that. And people have commented saying, "Gosh, there's, there's so many tui here now, or there's so much more wildlife now, and the trees are growing because the possums aren't um, eating them so much." I mean, possums are not only predators, but yeah, they're, they're such big eaters of vegetation. So there has been a real, um, real noticeable difference um, that people have said. So that's fantastic. I've heard recent stories of uh, kaka showing up in downtown Cambridge and even somebody recently found a matuku in their yeah. garden which is pr- yeah. pretty outstanding that that absolutely yeah absolutely that, I mean it's really exciting when you're starting to get those really um not really rare but um well certainly the the bitterness um but kaka I mean it's just amazing um that we, you can, you know, like literally everyone can make a difference by having a trap in their backyard and, and planting the right thing. Um, the fact that somebody had a bittern turn up um, in their backyard in St Kilda was fantastic. Um, they, they do have a wetland there. And again, one of our um, predator areas is, is at St Kilda as well because of the wetlands. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's pretty cool. It's very exciting. Um, and we've got native bats um, in Cambridge. Um, we're about to start some bat monitoring in the next few weeks, actually, just to confirm where they are, but yeah, they're, they're bats here as well. So they would be using the Karapiro Gully, wouldn't they, to to, to make their movements because they use the gullies a lot? Yeah, the gullies and waterways. Yep, um, long-tailed bats are really mobile and they move from roost to roost each night, um, so they're, they're a little hard to pin down. Um, but yeah, they're certainly in Cambridge um, and there's, there's a site um, at um, Hotapu as well, um, Plus, there's properties um, in Mangatauteri um, that have them, so that they are known known roosting sites. Um, but there's a whole lot in between in Cambridge that we don't quite know where they're roosting. But there's definitely using Cambridge as a as an area to visit. Mm. So when we're talking Hotapu, is that sort of the industrial area there, the, where, where they're roosters, or is it a bit more out in the Actually, field? it's um, on one of the Fonterra farms out there, <laughs> um, and Fonterra is now, um, have fenced off the area, um, and um, trapping is going on, um, because it's, you know, a roosting site is, is pretty special. Um, like I said, um, bats are found throughout the Waikato region, um, which is amazing in itself, but to find a roosting spot is very exciting um, because they do keep coming back to those roosts. Just lastly, Karen, how can people get um, involved with predator-free Cambridge? Yep, so like I said, you can pick up a backyard tra- trap from iSight at the Cambridge Town Hall or you can contact me, um, email me, karen at goeco.org.nz. Um, and I can help you out as well, especially if you're wanting to um, do a trap line, um, be involved in one of the community groups, or you know you've got a bigger project, you know a bigger property that you might need a bit more help with. Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikato. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance, and New Zealand on Air for making this show happen.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.